Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Merry Christmas to everyone, excited to we're thankful to celebrate today and looking forward to just keeping this celebration going this week. And Christmas Eve, we have our, uh, it's been a neat scene where God has been leading Wes and putting the service together and just excited for a, it's, it's uh, one of the ways he describes it as just one of those ah moments where we rest in God's presence and celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. And then, and we have a 4 and a 5.30, so we're asking if um, possible if you could sign up or register just to help us make sure we have space for everyone. It looks like the four is the popular service, so want to make sure we have seats. And then uh, next Sunday is going to be a special day. So the day after Christmas, we're going to gather in here as in one uh, service, 1030. So uh, one service, there will be no child care. So kids, everybody welcome to join in. We'll have a kid-friendly room, uh, the landing right outside the balcony if you want to place for your kids to run during the service, but excited to continue our Christmas celebration at that time. But each Sunday, we are, kingdom coming is the theme, and the idea is Jesus came to initiate the, his kingdom. We are experiencing it in real time. One day, he will, it will be culminated, and we're going to step into um, the kingdom in all of its glory. But today, God, in, um, as this is a unique time in the the redemptive timeline of God in that as his church, we are an outpost of his kingdom here on earth. And we're called to live as citizens. So it's the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God overlap. But we're asking the question, okay, if the kingdom of God is now, if it's coming in real time, what is it that marks that kingdom? What are the realities? And we want to see it clearly so we can seek it passionately. And it can be summed up in four words that we're working through this Christmas season. And week one, we looked, it's a kingdom marked by love. Last week, joy. And today, the word is peace. So when you see, hear that word peace, what is it that comes to your mind? And if you had to define peace, what, what would you, uh, how would you describe that? I was thinking about the, uh, the peaceful season we're in. And what if on Christmas Eve, we just had a fresh blanket of white snow that peacefully falls and blankets. Those are peaceful moments, aren't they? Don't you love that snow? Some people are saying no, <laughs> but just the quiet and being in the, the warm environment. I also thought of a, a baby sleeping in a mom's arms, you know, and when it finally comes to that point of just pure rest and safe and satisfied and, and peacefully sleeping, there's a picture that came to mind. Any pictures, think about, you know, uh, our park actually came to mind on one of those blue sky summer days when life is good and birds are singing, kids are swimming, friends are walking through the trails and talking, and it's that picture of peace. Some of you, uh, some of you guys may be like, when I think of peace, I think I'm packing a peace so I can keep the peace if need be, and we appreciate you guys too. There's that is an element of peace, but uh, peace biblically, as you track peace throughout the Bible, it's an interesting concept in that it's not just the absence of hostility, war, conflict, animosity. It's also the presence of life as as it's meant to be, the presence of life thriving and flourishing. It's the idea of wholeness. Like when sin entered the picture, there was a a fracture of all relationships, creation included. And 
And biblical peace is the bringing back together of, of things that the way they were meant to exist in harmony. And so today, as we uh, think about peace and experience, actually experiencing the peace of God as we live as his citizens in his kingdom, it's helpful to think in three realms. The first is peace with God. So this is stepping into that place of just having a, a, the joy of an intimate relationship with the one who created us. This, the second is peace within. And that idea of inner peace, tranquility, calm, even though we're going through some turbulent uh, circumstances. And then the third is peace with each other, social peace or interpersonal peace in a world that's often marked by conflict. And then the fourth is uh, peace within our world or our community, communal peace. And, and how do we get together and, and maintain that peace, experience that peace? As we think about the coming of Jesus at Christmas, though, it's neat to think that you can summarize. The purpose of his coming could be summarized in one word. It was peace. He came to make peace. And we see it all throughout Scripture, starting back in the prophecies and the songs of Isaiah and others. But there in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of peace. And I love this part of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. Love that picture of our Lord one day putting up just worldwide government on his shoulders and being the ruler. It says, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So forever peace. And then he says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I don't know if that puts some iron in your soul, but just thinking God's going to get this done, and it's Almighty God, His zeal, will see this peace through. But then as Jesus comes, and these prophecies are fulfilled, we see in the songs of the Christmas story, there in Luke chapter uh, 1, remember Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, and the angel said, you're going to have a kid, he said, can't be, we're old, and he couldn't speak until John came. What's he, the first thing he says when he gets his voice back is a, song of praise and the crescendo of that song is peace Luke chapter 1 verse 76 says and you my child will be called prophet of the most high speaking of his son John for you will go on before the the Lord before Jesus to prepare a way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God which uh, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. So what a fitting picture of, of where we're at apart from God. But here it comes, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Isn't that a great picture of what Christ came to, to do for us, to guide our feet into this path of shalom, peace with God within, with others, and within this, uh, even within our world. And then as the angels come uh, announcing the birth of our Lord, Peace is the theme of their song. Luke chapter 2, 13 says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then as Jesus lives and uh, leads his disciples, comes to that night before the cross, and he's telling his disciples what's about to go down, he sees fear and anxiety fill their eyes. And what's the gift that he gives them, the promise that he gives them? It's awesome. In John chapter 14, verse uh, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace 
I give you. Love that. It's like this is God's peace that, that he's giving them that we can experience as well. He says, I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then peace is something that every person who comes to faith in Christ and receives the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Evidence of our new birth and our new life in Christ. Love, joy, Galatians 5.22, and it's peace. It's the word irene. It's that um, wholeness that, that only Christ can bring and that he promises to bring to us. And then when we, uh, as we interact as imperfect people together, we're going to have conflicts. As, even as his citizens in his kingdom, um, the church gets sideways. And thankfully, God shows us a few of those moments in the New Testament as they're debating things that uh, aren't crucial. And what do we do in those moments? And it's interesting, Romans chapter 14, they're arguing over should we eat food offered to idols? And, and uh, look what God calls them back to in Romans 14, 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, these lesser matters, debatable matters, but of righteousness, so uh, doing the right thing with the right heart, and then peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. And so, the, uh, what's it like to actually experience his kingdom in real time? So today, as his citizen, what, what's it look like to, to live in his kingdom? And the answer is, one word, it's peace. Peace with God, peace with them, peace with each other, and a peace that, that we're taking into our community. Well, therein lies the tension that, that we come to today, isn't it? As you think about it, if, this is, if his kingdom is coming and this is to mark his kingdom, I have a problem. Because I struggle in my peace with God. And it's our, still, we struggle with temptation and, and our sin when we do wrong. And the enemy whispers, how can you think you're at peace with God when you just did that? You crossed the line. He can't be at peace. He's angry with you. And uh, the enemy accuses us. Peace within. We, we uh, struggle to live in that place of sweet tranquility, don't we? we uh, I picture our soul is like, it's as fragile as that beautiful placid lake in the morning, and you know in the morning when it's just like a mirror and there's steam rising off of it, and it's just so beautiful, so it is with our soul. We wake up, a new day, beautiful day, got our coffee, our Bible, all is good, until a flock of geese just land right in that lake, and ripples just go right across our soul, and we get one troubling circumstance landing on us, and boom, our peace is gone, our peace is disturbed, and, and then peace with each other. And we feel, I think all of us could probably point to one relationship that's in tension right now or that we know of that's in tension. People that matter to us, that um, there's tension. And, and how do we actually experience this peace? And then peace uh, in our world. You know, when it comes to illustrating the lack of peace in our world today, that's easy preaching. <laughs> I pick a word, you know, like vaccine. Or I'll even go back for, before COVID. How about this word? Referendum. I got an idea. Let's raise property taxes here in Mayberry so that we can take care of our kids and improve our schools. Oh, baby. Remember when that went off? <laughs> and uh, our sweet Mayberry just ignites in hostility like, whoa, what's going on? Peace within our world. It's a fragile thing, isn't it? And it leaves us asking, is this, can this happen really? Or, or is this just idealistic thinking? When we pray, as Jesus taught us to, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is this possible? And cynicism would shout, no. But what does faith shout? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is possible. And God gives us four practices to, uh, to help us live as citizens in his kingdom and actually experience his peace in real time. And so we'll walk through these practices. The first one is the found, <clears throat> excuse me, the foundation of all the others, and it is simply this, be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you would join, uh, join me over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we find the, this concept of reconciliation, which is to make peace. But it, Paul is speaking, and he says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and that he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So crazy reality that God, a sin is anything we've done to offend a holy God. It's broken our relationship with him. And it's interesting, who does the reconciling? This is so important as we think about what God has done for us and what Jesus came to do. We did nothing to reconcile, to fix this relationship. He did everything. He reconciles us to himself. It's God's move. It fills us with gratitude and, and worship. But how does this happen? It's that he doesn't count our sins against us. Well, how can he do that if he's a just God? And he goes on to share, verse 20, he says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. And here's the challenge. Be reconciled to God. Here's how it happens. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so what we celebrate this Christmas as Jesus comes to earth is really his purpose was to take, take our sin to a cross. He said, I, I have come, the um, Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, a ransom that would make it possible for our relationship with God, which we fractured through our sins, for that to be forever restored. And it's, you say, well, how does that happen? How do we do that? And it's through faith in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. You say, what kind of faith is this? And, and it's a faith that understands who Jesus is. Today, I think most of us have probably stepped into that place of peace with God. The most important question we will ever answer or seek to answer is, am I at peace with God? And if you're not, I would beg you, and this pleading here today is be reconciled to God, which means receive the gift of grace that God has given you in Christ. But for the rest of us, how do we, um, how do we step into this? How did we step into this? And how do we continue to, to live in the joy of being at peace with God? It's through faith. Now, faith, some might think faith is just like, okay, you turn off your head. It's blind faith. It's just trusting in something I can't see. No, the faith that God calls us to is a reasonable faith. It's based on evidence that we have, um, historical evidence of Christ. It's based on testimony and witness and also the knowledge of who Jesus is as revealed in his word. It's digging in and really seeking, is he truly the son of God? And, and we read and we study and we learn. And what did he do for us? It's a, it's a knowledge that we, we learn 
okay, this is not just a Bethlehem thing. This is a redemptive plan that's been playing out from the beginning of time, from Genesis 3 all the way through, and will culminate in Revelation. We see it, and, and we learn about it, but, but the core of it is this. Jesus is fully God, fully man, Lord, who came to lay down his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sin on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead. When we understand that, there's a next step where we agree to that. We say, okay, I, I'm going to... I'm going to say yes to that. I, I, the evidence has shown me that that is true. But the demons also believe that and know that. They know the truth. That's the third step of faith. True saving faith is looking to Christ and saying, you're all I've got. I trust you with my life fully. It's not trust in a doctrine, it's trust in a person, a person who is real, a person who is with us today, a person who is reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords and will return to judge. It is through him and him alone that we have peace. And Guys, this is the good news of Christmas, isn't it? That we can wake up every day for the rest of our eternity to know we live under friendly skies. God is not angry with us. If you are in Christ, you are at peace with him. And this is the gift that, that uh, God has given us. And Today, I, if you know him, if you are at peace with him, I just encourage you to let this truth cause you to worship and celebrate. And, uh, and if you're not at peace with God, I, I just would plead with you along with Paul, be reconciled to God. One day our Lord is coming back and um, those who have not found refuge and safety in Christ will bear the weight of their sin and the judgment that, uh, that Jesus took on our behalf so that we would not have to. And so how do we experience his peace? First, be reconciled. But second move, and this is around the realm of our uh, internal peace within, the second practice is retrain your reflex to trouble. Familiar passage, but it's found over in Philippians chapter 4. And Paul says this, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. And don't you love the all-inclusive words that God uses? So worry about nothing um, in every situation, like every time a problem comes. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. So you are a citizen of a new kingdom, but we still live in the kingdom of, of this world. We can see that. We can't see the kingdom of God as invisible. So it's a challenge, but, it, but this is, it's real. So here's the reflex. When a trouble comes in the old kingdom, what do we do? Fight and flee. And it's, it's, it's normal, and, and we still want to keep a little bit of fight and flee because we live in a dangerous place. But our reaction to trouble is not panic in the kingdom of God. It's, it's pray. We hit our knees with, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. We, Lord, here's my issue. And then we add a thank you for hearing me and answering that. And then what does God promise to give us when we retrain our reflex from panic to pray? He says, it's a promise. My peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And it's, I love, we've preached through this before, but it's a military term. It's like a soldier standing guard and sentinel over your heart, and it's one bad soldier you can't get through this soldier because it's God's soldier the peace of God will guard your heart and mind and can I get a has anybody experienced this before 
in your life. The, uh, if you want to give a testimony, man, it is so good to see our college students back with us. If you guys have any uh, moments where you're just like, God, his peace wrapped me up this year in my semester, you just wave a hand and come on down and I'll let you. I may have just ruined your peace. I'm sorry. Caroline, you're not, you're not liking this. <laughs> but uh, So here's the challenge for us. We need to retrain our reflex. Now, there's power in this. And one illustration, one, one of the reasons I, I just love the game of golf is it's an opportunity to retrain my reflex to failure. The danger is that we make a bad shot or we make a mistake in life. We get all down. We spiral into this mindset of negativity and despair and just, I hate, I hate my game. Hit a ball into the pond. Mm, tempted to just lose it. Wheels come off the wagon. So I think it was Ben Hogan or some pro I was listening to said, there's a phrase to add. Whenever you have a failure, and here's the phrase I've been living on, when I make a bad shot, ball goes into the lake, I say this phrase very calmly, that's interesting. Hit another ball into the lake, that's interesting. Hit another ball into the lake, they're like, that's interesting. But, uh, you see me doing that, pray, but, but it is actually an, a, um, a powerful phrase, and retrain that reflex to Failure is, is really the best opportunity to learn and improve. So rather than freak out with despair, that's interesting. And it, it helps me, okay, what did I do? And it wasn't a big deal, just change this thing, tweak this thing, and the game gets better and hope, and we, we move on. Well, the power of that, I was driving um, home from work several weeks ago, and I forget exactly what happened, but it was something that was put me in um, danger. Somebody read, run or ran a red light or did something that, Normally, I would have freaked out on, like, whoa, what are you doing? And you know what I said? That's interesting. <laughs> Say, whoa, there is power in this. God knew this long before psychology is teaching it, you know. Um, he says, okay, in everything, when a problem comes, your normal response is sheep and it's going to be panic. But, but rather, let it be petition and prayer with thanksgiving and my peace is going to guard you, wrap you up. As citizens of his kingdom, he invites us into a life marked by peace as we trust him. And isn't this great? Every trouble, every problem, it's not a problem and it's not trouble. It is simply an opportunity to retrain our reflex to walk by faith and experience the peace that only God can give, a peace that passes understanding. A sweet side note to this, that uh, just a prayer tip that I'll share with you, and it's something I try to repeat in my head often and share it with those around me, so five ways that God answers prayer. Luis Palau, the uh, Billy Graham of South America, shared this after like eight decades of following Christ, and God answers prayer in five ways. The first is, yes, I thought you never ask. James, you have not because you asked not. He's waiting to give, and, and we, so there's the first one. The second is, yes, and here's more. Our God is a generous God, and he delights in giving to his children. Third is, no, I love you too much. <laughs> and aren't you thankful for the, the prayers that you prayed that God is? I think Garth Brooks has a song on that, something about unanswered prayers. But, and then uh, fourth is, yes, but not yet. And we trust God's perfect timing. He sees the big picture and knows when the answer needs to be. And then the fifth is, yes, but in a different way than what, I, what you prayed. And he uh, uses or answers our, our request 
but according to his wisdom. So I was thinking about this uh, retraining our reflex. One way to, to groove it that has been helpful, counselors are most in agreement that one of the helpful ways to process through our problems and our hurts is through write down, write them down, so journal. And I'll find when I'm going through a big problem, I will, I'm quick to just get to, my, get to my notebook and I'm writing down the prayer. And it's helpful to untangle my thoughts and, and just put it out there on paper. But what's cool about this is, is you document your prayer, the Philippians 4 moment, so that when God answers it, you can write the answer in. And this happened to me this past week, a very specific thing I asked God for. He answered it in the same day. So I had it right there in my journal. The prayer and the answer. Now, today we have technology. What if I thought, I'm, take a picture of that, and then I've got it in my phone, and as I'm scrolling back through my pictures, I'm reminded of how God was faithful. to. Uh, and my, the problem wasn't a problem. It was an opportunity to practice this, retrain my reflex to pray. All right, and then the third way that we can experience his peace in the realm of, and this takes us, so we have peace with God, peace within. This takes us into the realm of peace with the, one another. And this is replace the old ref with the new ref. So running with the ref metaphor or sport metaphor, when we're in conflict with another person, who is it that's calling the shots in our soul to resolve that conflict? And left to ourselves, it's the old ref wants our way, and um, often we'll, we'll either... Uh, do something that will not create reconciliation, but, but add to the conflict. But here God calls us to a new ref, and we find this ref in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, where he says this, let the peace of Christ rule. And it's literally that idea of umpire or referee in your hearts. Since, and here's the theological foundation, as members of one body, you were called to peace. And so when conflict arises and we're, struggling in a relationship, maybe our, with our spouse, with our family, with that, within our friendships, small group work, whatever it is, what's our, our move? And this is where we say, okay, I know what the old me wants to do, but I'm going to allow the peace of Christ to rule in this situation. So what's that look like? And it's just uh, saying, okay, how would the Prince of Peace, how would Jesus, what would he do in this situation? And then we follow his lead in that. And what's neat about this is when his peace is ruling in our hearts, if, it, if we are truly submitted to it, we know his will is to lead us into reconciliation. I love the picture of uh, Ephesians 2, uh, later in the, I think it's 11, where it says, Jesus is our peace. He came preaching peace, and when he went to the cross, he won our peace with God, but in that moment that he went to the cross, he also made peace possible with each other. He ended the hostility that we have toward one another. And his, he brings us into his kingdom, into as his family, as citizens. Peace is possible. And I, I'm an optimist by nature, but I will tell you, based on the authority of the word of God, if two people are at conflict, but they surrender or submit to the peace of Christ, there is no conflict that cannot be worked out. God is big enough, and he does that as we allow him to, uh, to lead us. You may be thinking, but what about those times when the other person doesn't want to work it out, doesn't want to reconcile, make peace. And one of the unfortunate realities of living in this side of heaven is there are some relationships that might never reconcile because it, it does take two. But God has a word for us in those moments in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He says, 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And he goes on, verse 21, to say, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, in those circumstances, we keep praying, we keep believing that God can work in that person's heart. We keep loving, we keep seeking peace. We'd like to share with you now a, a tool that has been so helpful. I've watched it uh, work in countless uh, counseling settings and conflicts, but it's a prayer that helps us let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And it's something that I, I've written down and returned to it often, but it, it starts like this. There's three parts, but it's, Jesus, would you be obviously present and actively in charge as we get together here to work through this conflict? And what this is, is in just being reminded and inviting God to, uh, to be present and to be in charge. We're su- submitting to his leadership as we work through this thing. And so, um, so he takes a seat at the table as we work through this. Second is the tough part to pray, but you pray this, Lord, would you change me in the way that you want me to be more like you? Now, when we come to conflict, what do you want, really? It's to, that the other person would change. But what's God want? What's he at, where's he at work in conflict? He wants to change you. And whenever we're aiming at the other person, there will be, the conflict's going to rage on. The minute that we turn and focus on, okay, I need to change me, and the other person says, I need to change me, that's when reconciliation begins to happen. And then the uh, third thing to pray is, bring us into harmony with your will and with one another. So the will of God revealed in his word, bring us into harmony with that and harmony with one another. It's a prayer where we allow the peace of God to be at work. And I believe it's a prayer that he delights to answer and that demolishes the stronghold of the devil. The devil lives in the, the division. And so as we pray that, we're, we're attacking those areas. So the question is, is peace possible? And the answer, oh yeah. Peace with God through Christ. Peace within as his peace guards our heart. Peace uh, with each other. And then the final arena or realm of of peace is peace within our community and the practice as God uh, calls us to to be peace practice peace within the realm of community is simply this run into the mess making peace enter the mess making peace that's what our Lord did for us coming into our world and he what it's what he calls us to in his kingdom manifesto in Matthew chapter 5 Matthew 5 verse uh, the first few verses he's describing the person that lives in his kingdom. And he says in verse 9, Blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I love that. When does God look down at you, look down at me and say, that's my boy, that's my girl? <laughs> they will be called children of God. It's when we're making peace, where we're bringing people who are separated together, when we're stepping into the conflict, the division, and being his presence to bring people together. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we have been called to be peacemakers in this world that's just divided, and uh, even over the past couple years, we've seen it just fractions and uh, division happening all over the place. So we ask how. How does this happen, or how do we live this out? Three ways we see in Scripture. The first is through prayer. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Why? 
that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness, holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So one of the ways that we bring in peace is as we pray for our leaders, authorities, and, and uh, that there would be peace. A second way that we are peacemakers is as we submit to the authorities around us. So this means the, uh, the government authorities being God's servants, both the police force that they uh, put themselves in harm's way to protect us and, and to stem the tide of evil to keep peace, but also government authorities and those that God has placed in uh, leadership positions. We see this in Romans chapter 13. He sums it up in verse 5. He says, therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Verse 6, this is also why you pay taxes, for authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, revenue. If respect, respect. If honor, if honor. I know right now there's, there's a, uh, you can feel the, uh, in some circles, just a, a resistance against our government or a, a, an anger towards our government. And I would say this, when this was written, the government that was in charge at that time was way worse than the government that we have been blessed with. And so it's really important that we allow God's word to guide us and not um, be conformed by our culture or the whatever's going on around us. And then the, uh, the third way, most exciting way, I think, that we bring peace, that we become peacemakers, is as we uh, share the message of hope, the gospel of peace with people. The heart of every problem, conflict, is a problem of the heart. And the solution for it, the problem of our heart is the power of the gospel. When somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, powerful, not just to change them on the outside, behavior modification, but, but a soul transformation, that they become a person who now becomes a peacemaker. And so bringing it all together, the good news as we celebrate this Christmas, the good news is the kingdom of God is coming in real time. The question, are you seeing it and are you seeking it? Say, okay, what's it look like? If it's coming, week one we looked at it's a kingdom of love, it's a kingdom marked by joy, but today it's a kingdom marked by peace, to which we say how? In this world that, where we see peace just unraveling all around us, and it is through Jesus Christ alone. The calling is to be reconciled to God through faith in Christ. Step one. The second uh, practice is to, uh, rather than retrain our reflex, rather than panic when troubles come, we're praying when these troubles come and we experience this peace. Third, we replace our old ref with a new ref, the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts and leading to interpersonal peace. And then fourth, we're, uh, we're not shying away from the mess around us, but we're stepping into that mess with the, with the message of hope and the gospel. It's neat to think the kingdom of God. As we do these things, his kingdom's coming in real time, and we get to be a part of it. Now, I can hear someone thinking, John, the, uh, I'm all for peace, but honestly, with what's going on around us right now, I think we're in the end times, and so you can take peace and throw it out the window because the Bible teaches that in the end times, Matthew 24, Revelation, Daniel, others, it's going to get crazy. And wars, rumors of wars, there's not going to be peace. So I'm going to just bypass what, what you've said here and just hunker down and get through this thing. I hear you. And I would agree with you that um, in the end times, which very well we could be, peace 
there will be a growing lack of peace and a growing tribulation. In fact, Jesus said that in the end times, in the tribulations are to actually God's mercy to warn us to turn to Him and seek refuge in Christ. But uh, in the end times, our world is going to so convulse both naturally through, the, uh, through nature but also relationally as nation will rise up against nation that uh, Jesus said in Matthew that if, if these times had not been cut short, no human would survive them. So there will be a season of radical unrest. But here's the good news, citizen of the kingdom of God. If you are a citizen of his kingdom, there is something that even the great tribulation, the world revolve, uh, re- just convulsing with unrest, even in the great tribulation, there's something that it cannot touch, and it is the peace that Jesus Christ has given you. A peace with God, a peace within, a peace with one another, and a peace that we can take to a hurting and divided world. Amen? Why? Because He is King. And He promised He is King of this outpost. As citizens of His kingdom, we gather as His church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And His church will be here until He comes. Therefore, there will be a haven of peace, an outpost of heaven. And He promised, I will be with you to the end of the age. He is the Prince of Peace. He brings peace. And if, his key, if our King is here, then we have peace until the day He calls us home. So when you get tempted to despair and think, man, it's just going to be a big mess. No, uh uh-uh. His peace is ours till the day he calls us home. And therefore, we sing. Amen? We worship and we carry on as his peacemakers. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Let's go. Light of the world is what he called us. And so let's, may we be faithful to live that out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, uh, just the gift of being in your kingdom in this time, in this place which often feels out of control and very dark, but to know that you rule, that your peace rules, God. And I thank you for the peace that we can have with you and just to uh, be able to wake up each new day and know that, that the sky is blue, that heaven shines down on us. Even when life is hard, we are at peace with you forever through Christ and Lord, I pray if someone's here today and has not made peace with you, that they would take that step. Lord, I thank you that we can have inner peace, a tranquility of heart, even though circumstances are just messed up around us, because you've given us this new reflex that in every trouble, you invite us to storm the throne room with our need, and then you send us out back into the trouble with a century of soldiers guarding our heart and mind, your peace. Thank you. God, I thank you for the the hope of peace with each other, just to know that that your will is reconciliation. And I pray today, if there's a fractured relationship in in our church family or in a family represented, God, that even through this Christmas season, your peace would rule in hearts and bring us together. And then we thank you that you've given us this mission of going out as your peacemaking force here on earth. And I pray that we would just go with your love, with your courage, and with the hope of knowing that um, peace is possible even in a messed up, divided culture. Help us to shine for you, we pray. Thank you for this chance to worship you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.